Objections Overruled 1 and 2 audiobooks are produced by Lutheran Public Radio and are made possible with support from listeners like you. You can contribute to the production of future audiobooks at issuesetc.org support. Look for Objections Overruled 3 in December of 2023. There is no extra-biblical evidence for Jesus. Paul L. Meyer There is more evidence for the existence of Jesus than there is for most other ancient figures whose historicity is accepted. New Testament sources refer to numerous historical persons who all interacted with Jesus. Early Christian sources connected to Jesus' apostles and homeland refer to Jesus as a real historical figure. Jewish religious documents refer to Jesus as a real historical figure, although they reject him as the Messiah. Numerous secular sources from the Roman era deal with Jesus as a real historical figure, although they opposed Christianity. No, he didn't, some skeptics claim, thinking that this is a quick, powerful lever with which to pry people away from the fable of Christianity. But the lever crumbles at its very first use. In fact, there is more evidence that Jesus of Nazareth lived than there is for most famous figures of the ancient past. This evidence is of two kinds, internal and external, or, if you will, sacred and secular. In both cases, the total evidence is so overpowering, so absolute, that only the shallowest of intellects would dare to deny Jesus' existence. Yet this pathetic denial is still parroted by the village atheist, windbags on the internet, or organizations such as the Freedom From Religion Foundation. The Internal Evidence Aside from the many messianic predictions in the Old Testament, not one of the four Gospels or the 23 other New Testament documents would make an ounce of sense if Jesus had never lived. Did the whole cavalcade of well-known historical personalities in the first century A.D. who interacted with Jesus deal with a vacuum? Did Herod the Great try to terminate an infant ghost? Did the Jewish high priests Annas and Caiaphas interview a spirit? Did the Roman governor Pontius Pilate judge a phantom on Good Friday? Or did Paul and so many apostles give their lives for a myth? The above names are well known from both sacred and secular sources, as well as archaeological evidence, and are therefore historical. The same is clearly true of Jesus of Nazareth. Why then is Jesus not permitted the luxury of actually having lived as did the rest of these? Why the double standard here? From the internal biblical evidence alone, Jesus' existence is simply categorical. And yet there is an abundance of additional, extra-biblical information on this question. The External Evidence, Christian Another long paragraph could be devoted to writings of the early church fathers, some of whom had close contact with New Testament personalities. Jesus' disciple John, for example, became bishop of the church at Ephesus. One of his students was Polycarp, bishop of Smyrna. A student of Polycarp, in turn, was Irenaeus of Lyon. These leaders of the early church form a chain of living, personal links to Jesus. The focus of all their writings was Jesus the Christ, Messiah. Another early Christian voice, Justin Martyr, had geographical and temporal connections to Jesus. Justin was born to pagan parents around A.D. 100 in Nablus, between Judea and Galilee. He tried and abandoned various philosophical schools until he found the one true teaching in Christianity. 
As a native of the Holy Land, Justin mentions sites associated with Jesus, including the Bethlehem Grotto in which he was born. He also refers to Jesus working as an apprentice carpenter in the shop of his foster father Joseph, where they specialized in producing agricultural implements such as yokes for oxen and plows. External Evidence Jewish The Jewish Talmud and Mishnah contain the writings of rabbis who sought to interpret and explain the Old Testament law. These Jewish rabbinical traditions not only mention Jesus, but they are also the only sources that spell his name accurately in Aramaic, his native tongue. Yeshua Hanutzri, Joshua, Jesus of Nazareth. Some of the references to Jesus in the Talmud are garbled, probably due to the vagaries of oral tradition, but one is especially accurate. It seems based on written sources and comes from the Mishnah, the earliest collection of writings in the Talmud. This is no less than the arrest notice for Jesus, which runs as follows. He, Yeshua Hanotsri, shall be stoned because he has practiced sorcery and lured Israel to apostasy. Anyone who can say anything in his favor, let him come forward and plead on his behalf. Anyone who knows where he is, let him declare it to the great Sanhedrin in Jerusalem. Sanhedrin 43a. Four items in this statement strongly support its authenticity as a notice composed before Jesus' arrest. 1. The future tense is used. 2. Stoning was the regular punishment for blasphemy among the Jews whenever the Roman government was not involved. 3. There is no reference whatever to crucifixion. And 4. The Jesus was performing sorcery. The extraordinary or miraculous with a negative spin is quite remarkable. This meets what historians call the criterion of embarrassment, that is, since the information is embarrassing to the writer, it is not likely that the writer would have made it up. The sorcery charge also accords perfectly with how Jesus' opponents explained away his miraculous healings, that he performed them with the help of Beelzebul. Luke chapter 11, verse 18. Moreover, the first-century Jewish historian Flavius Josephus twice mentions Jesus, who is called the Christ in his Jewish antiquities. In the second of these, he tells of the death of Jesus' half-brother James the Just of Jerusalem, chapter 20, verse 200. Two books earlier, in the longest first-century non-biblical reference to Christ, Josephus tells of Jesus midway through his discussion of events in Pontius Pilate's administration. At this time, there was a wise man called Jesus, and his conduct was good, and he was known to be virtuous. Many people among the Jews and the other nations became his disciples. Pilate condemned him to be crucified and to die. But those who had become his disciples did not abandon his discipleship. They reported that he had appeared to them three days after his crucifixion and that he was alive. Accordingly, he was perhaps the Messiah, concerning whom the prophets have reported wonders. And the tribe of the Christians, so named after him, has not disappeared to this day. Chapter 18, verse 63. This recent, uninterpolated text replaces the traditional version which, unfortunately, had suffered early interpolation. External Evidence Roman Cornelius Tacitus, one of the most reliable source historians of first-century Rome, around A.D. 100, wrote The Annals, a year-by-year -year account of events in the Roman Empire under the early Caesars. Among the highlights that he reports for the year A.D. 64 was the Great Fire of Rome. People blamed the Emperor Nero for this conflagration since it happened on his watch. 
In order to save himself, Nero switched the blame to the Christians. This is the first time they appear in secular history. Careful historian that he was, Tacitus then explains who the Christians were. Christus, the founder of the name, had undergone the death penalty in the reign of Tiberius by sentence of the procurator Pontius Pilatus. Chapter 15, verse 44. Tacitus goes on to report the horrors that were inflicted on the Christians in what became their first Roman persecution. Tacitus, it should be emphasized, was not some Christian historian who was trying to prove that Jesus Christ really lived. He was a pagan who despised Christians as a disease, a term he uses later in the passage. If Jesus had never existed, Tacitus would have been the first to expose him as a pathetic phantom on whom cultists placed their trust. This annals passage alone would be sufficient to establish Jesus' historicity, even if there were no other references to Jesus available. Skeptics realize this, and so have tried every imaginable means to discredit the passage, but to no avail. Manuscript analysis and computer studies have never found any reason to call this sentence or its context into question. Gaius Suetonius Tranquillus also recorded events of the first century in his famous Lives of the Twelve Caesars. He, too, regarded the Christians as a sect professing a new and mischievous religious belief, Nero 16. He doubtless cited Christus as well, spelling his name Crestus, Claudius 25. The vowels E and I were often interchangeable, which is demonstrated by the French term for Christian to this day, Chrétien. Pliny the Younger was the Roman governor of Bithynia, today the northwestern corner of Turkey. About the year 110, he wrote the emperor Trajan, 98 to 117 AD, asking what to do about the Christians, a wretched cult whom he mentions eight times in his letter. Christ himself is cited three times. The most famous instance refers to Christians who met on a fixed day to chant verses alternately among themselves in honor of Christ as if to a god, letter number 96. Trajan's response, interestingly enough, suggests that Christians not be hunted out, Ibid, number 97. But again, if Christ were only a mythical character, these hostile sources would have been the first to emblazon that fact in derision. Other ancient secular sources such as Thutis and Mara Barsarapian also bear witness to the historicity of Jesus. But any further evidence clearly comes under the beating a dead horse category so far as this article is concerned. Nothing more is necessary in view of the overpowering evidence that Jesus of Nazareth was no myth, but a historical figure who truly lived. Skeptics should focus instead on whether or not Jesus was more than a man. That at least could evoke a reasonable debate among reasonable inquirers, rather than a pointless discussion with sensationalists who struggle to accept the obvious.